A poverty mindset says, I have it today, I will consume it today, and look for more of it tomorrow. They'll never have it. You got to be tired of being broke. Hello everyone, welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. The name of this series is Good. This is the Good series. And Good, uh, I believe, is an acrostic and, or, or an alliteration, I believe. No, it's an acrostic. I'm getting a head nod. It's an acrostic, which means that every word, every letter in the word good has a meaning. And so it is, what's the, what's the word? Get out of debt. G-O-O-D. I did not know it said that. And I said, oh, Lord, and that's something. That's special. You're making me look like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, good. So this is the good series, and this is the word, the word of the Lord. Get out of debt. The further you are out of debt, the more you can give, the more generous you can be. Say with me, I am God's wealthy place. All right, that is true. So this is part one of the series, and we're just going to go on until we complete it, okay? So, all right, what is debt? What is debt? Debt is, or rather, um, debt is the money that is owed or due. Debt is the money that is owed or due. We know that. And the second thing I want you to know about debt, uh, it robs your future to supply the desires of your present. It robs your future to supply the desires of your present. We do understand that in order for you, in order for us to pay for some things that we cannot necessarily afford right now, we'll have to go on payments. Well, when you say, well, I can afford uh, $200 a month, next $200 a month, you are obligating yourself to future $200 payments. Your future self will no longer see that $200 because of what your present self says that you need. Make sense? So when you pay off the debt, when you pay off the debt, you will uh, secure, further secure your financial future. Now we know that our, our faith is not in the money, is not in the dollar. We do not worship money, we do not worship the dollar. Amen? Amen. The Lord said you cannot serve two masters. You can either serve God or mammon, but you cannot serve them both. We worship God, not money, hallelujah not money. Money is a tool that we're going to use to, number one, build the kingdom of God. Number two, live an abundant life to the full till it overflows. And number three, to leave a legacy for future generations. Hallelujah. All right. So let me give you some stats. I won't give them all to you. I don't want to bore you. Um, but the Center for um, Microeconomic Data put this total out just recently that the overall debt in the United States of America as of the second quarter of this year has reached the overall household debt, not government, just household debt. The household debt has reached $13.86 trillion. Trillions of household debt. 
That number is up and it's continuing to rise. Uh, this is the uh, the 20th quarter, the 20th quarter that it has continued to rise our debt as a nation. We're continuing to rise in debt. We're continuing to rise in debt. Now, there are four main areas that are seeing the uh, significant increase. And one is home, uh, that is mortgages or uh, real estate related uh, debt. So there's home, there's auto, you know, cars, things of that nature. And then there's also student loan debt. All these things are on the rise. And fourth, credit card debt. Credit card debt. All these are making up this, uh, this incline. Of course, there are many more, but these are, these are the ones that are seeing the greatest growth of debt. Now, why are Americans in debt? Now, of course, we know that this is a worldwide thing, but we're definitely looking at this in the United States um, so why are Americans in debt? And I think this is true generally. Number one, uh, because of greed or lust. I got to have it now. <clears throat> I got to have it now. Uh, number two, because of pride. I got to look like this. Number three, insecurity. Insecurity. I must have what they have. I must have what they have. I must keep up with the Joneses. Number four, lack of knowledge. I didn't know. I didn't know. Number five, lack of patience. I couldn't wait. Number six, lack of preparation. No plan or budget. And number seven, innocence and a kind heart. I was just trying to help them out. That's why I co-signed on the loan for them. I was just trying to help them out. So these are seven reasons. There are more reasons. There are more reasons but, uh, of why, why we're in debt. But let me tell you something. Debt can be overwhelming, and when debt is overwhelming, it becomes a destroyer. It becomes a destroyer because it brings people stress, fear, panic and they feel hopeless of course it ends up some ends up in divorce uh, some because of debt end up in um, uh, foreclosure uh, homelessness and their lives become to ruin and some go into crime beginning to do things that they normally would not do because they have to pay this and they begin to do things that are illegal to bring money in and some unfortunately, have ended up in suicide. Husbands have come home and they have killed their families and then they have killed themselves. And these things are happening. These things are real. This is the world that we live in today. So debt can be a very high mountain and it can be a very deep hole. And once you get into a deep hole, it is hard to climb out. Are you hearing? Well, the word of the Lord is get out of debt. Get out of debt. And of course, he is empowering you to do that. Because once you have more, you can do more. You can give more. You can be more generous. Are you hearing? As a general rule, again, you have more, you can give more. You have less, you'll give less. Are you hearing? All right. So let's talk just 
briefly about Jesus in money or the Bible in money. People say, well, I don't think you ought to talk about money in church. Let me say it this way, foolish fool. That's the nicest way I can say that. Because money is a part of our society. It is a part of where you live. And you need to know how to handle it and that it not handle you. And you need to know how to gain wealth. There's a difference between gaining wealth and being rich. We're going to talk about those two today, Lord willing. All right. So Jesus talked more about money. This may startle you. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell combined. Combined. Let me say it again. He talked more about money. Jesus talked more about money than heaven or hell combined. Jesus talked more about money than, except, of course, he talked more about the kingdom of God than he did money. And out of, uh, out of his 39 parables, 11 of them concern money. The Bible itself, uh, in fact, uh, has about 2,300 verses concerning money, wealth, and possessions. 2,300 verses in the Bible talk about money, possessions, and wealth. So it's on God's mind. It was definitely on the Lord Jesus' mind because it is a part of our lives. We need to know how to handle it and how to use it. One of the verses that Jesus talked about is that uh, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Where your treasure is, there will your, your heart will be there too. So Jesus talked a lot about it, and we'll get to these verses, I believe, in this series so that we may have the right attitude concerning it. As a general rule, as your heart becomes right, uh, you become more of a candidate for the shifting of wealth that God is doing even right now in the earth. Are you hearing? So let's go to some scriptures. There are some misnomers about money and about wealth that we're going to see today. And then Lord willing, uh, there is a story that I want to give you, but uh, we'll see how far we get today. So let's go ahead and start. We're going to start in uh, Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, one verse, verse number 22. Proverbs 13, verse 22. Listen to this. It says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his what? Children's children. That is his grandchildren, right? And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So we already know that uh, from the first part of the verse is that we cannot consume everything upon ourselves. We're going to have to leave wealth behind. We're going to have to leave some behind for others. Hallelujah. Now, this is a complete mind shift because how many of us, don't, don't raise your hand, please, please, please. How many of us, uh, we are, our, our parents' parents uh, maybe had some money but then lost it or, you know, they died poor or they did not leave anything to our parents. And then our parents, when, you know, did not leave anything to us. And it goes, and the cycle has gone back many, many, many generations. Well, what would have happened if one person in the generation had said, you know what? I'm going to leave them this house. I'm going to leave them $100,000. I'm going to start them off better than I started out. And then each generation gets higher 
and higher and higher. Not just in money, but also in prayer. I'm going to show you, son. I'm going to show you, granddaughter, how to pray. I'm going to show you how to uh, touch the heart of God. These are part of inheritance. I'm a, let me give you some wisdom. These are things that can be passed down. Or a good name. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than silver or gold or, or great riches. I'm leaving you a good name. I'm leaving you a good testimony. And these are things that can be passed down from one person to the next. And every time it is passed down, the next generation starts higher than the last. Every generation should not have to start from the bottom and work their way up. I know it's tight. I know it. I know it. I know it. But we're going to get there. So it says a good man, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Let's talk about that for a moment. The word just there means lawful. It means righteous. It means um, righteous in conduct and character. So just because the Bible says uh, the, the wealth of the sinner is later for the just, you figure, hey, I'm born again. I'm, I'm righteous in the sight of God. Surely that's talking about me. It's not only, yes, it is talking about you, but do you have the character? It's talking about character. Uh, and character talks about responsibility. Hallelujah. Being a good steward. Being a good steward. If you're not a good steward now over your finances, I don't think you can expect a great shifting of wealth to flow into your hands. If it flows into your hands, the question is, can you keep it in your hands? Amen. Hallelujah. Can you keep it in your hands? Now, as a rule, at the end of every month, you should still have monies left over. You should have monies left over. All of you should have at least $1,000 in your opportunity account. And we spoke about that, not having, not having an emergency fund or call it um, a rainy day fund because all those type of terms suggest that you are expecting something bad to happen to you. But if we call it an opportunity fund, which is our savings account, that suggests that we are expecting opportunities to arise. Maybe, some, maybe you'll have an opportunity to help someone out financially. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to buy that property or to buy that thing that was, uh, that was very high priced before, but now you found it on, um, on sale and it's only, only a fraction of what it used to cost, right? But now you can go back in your opportunity fund and buy this thing that would have cost you so much more. Are you hearing your opportunity fund? And should the Lord tarry when you continue to grow your opportunity fund, then you can make investments and you leave your opportunity, all your opportunities over to the next generation. Hallelujah. So again, you need to have, so you know where you are. You need to know what you have in and you need to talk. You, you, if you're, if you're married, you need to talk about your cash flow. Where is money flowing to in your house? There needs to be some form of arrangement, some form of commonality between spouse, between husband and wife about where the money flows. Money is like a river. 
Money's like a river, and it will flow in your hands and out of your hands, and before you know it, you won't have anything, and then the next month comes, and we're broke, can't afford gas money, you got $5 for gas, you gonna, can I borrow $5 for gas, can I, can I get this, can I get that, and, and we say, well, I just need it until I get paid again, I just need it until I get paid again, as soon as I get paid, then I'll have some more money, and then here's the trap that many people get into, they go and get these payday loans, or they pawn the pawn the title on their cars and they they get they get involved in these uh, deeper debt things paying um, 20% interest and 30% interest and all these things and they never can have money because they're always giving their future monies away you understanding it's got to stop and it's got to start with us where we are preparing wealth for the next generation. You've got to have that mindset. You've got to have that mindset where I'm not going to consume it. I'm not a consumer. I'm a producer. And I will receive this wealth, build the kingdom of God, live an abundant life so that others may see manifested God's blessings in my life, and I will leave a legacy for the next generation, for my children, for my grandchildren, so forth and so on. Are you hearing? But the mentality has to start with us. A poverty mindset says, I have it today, I will consume it today, and look for more of it tomorrow. They'll never have it. You got to be tired of being broke. Are you hearing? Let's look, let's look at another one. First uh, Timothy, the sixth chapter, first Timothy six. And let's look at verses six through 10, this time out of the New Living Translation. And this, how it, this is how it reads. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. We need to keep this definition of wealth. Godliness, that is you're living right before God, uh, living right before God, and you're content with what you have. You're content with what you have. There's nothing wrong with wanting something new. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting something better. But wanting the new and wanting the better is not altering, your, it's not altering you emotionally. It's, it's not causing fear in you. Oh, I got to have this. So it's, it's, it's not causing lust to come forth out of you. Godliness, living right before God, and being content with what you have, at least for the moment, that's great wealth. Are you hearing? All right. Because how can God give or pour, or how can you uh, fill up a cup that has no bottom? If you're not content with what you have, your life has no bottom. But when your life has a bottom, then we can pour in, and then eventually you will find overflow. Does that make sense? It says again, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So you're going to leave everything behind whether you want to or not. You can either leave debt, which a lot of people do. They leave debt behind for their families to pay off. 
They leave debt behind. When it comes time to bury them, they have no insurance. They, have no, they haven't taken care of that time. And so the family has a struggle together and have to borrow from this church. Can you help me? Can you help me bury so-and-so? Can you do this? Can you do that? Because they have left nothing behind. Now, life insurance is, is good. But listen, let me tell you this too. We ought to uh, come out of debt and develop a wealth plan where life insurance really be having that insurance policy uh, becomes unnecessary because many have a life insurance policy that will pay off house or that will pay off this or that so that their loved ones won't bear the expense of that after they're gone. But if the house is paid off and if you have significant wealth already stored and if you have some investments, why are you paying a policy? So life insurance should be something that will become unnecessary as we handle the finances properly. Are you hearing? Say with me, I am God's wealthy place. Hallelujah. Verse 8, so it says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. I have enough food, enough clothing, let me be content. Now, that does not say, uh, Lord, I, I'm believing you for bigger things. Uh, that, that does not say, well, Lord, this church building is great, but, you know, I really want, that does not say that we should not desire what God has shown us. But that does mean that I shouldn't curse where I am to get to where I want to be. Because we often do that. I can't stand this. I can't stand this house. I can't stand this car. I can't stand this. I can't stand it. I can't wait till I get, I can't wait till I, you will never enjoy the moment. Not only with stuff, but also with the way that we look. I can't wait till I lose this. I can't, I can't wait till I get this. I can't wait till I get that. But you, you curse where you are instead of enjoying where you are. Please tell your neighbor, you are beautiful. Yeah. Are you hearing? Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 9. <clears throat> Let's look at some of these misnomers here. It says, people, rather, verse 9, but people who long to be rich. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Rich there talks about, it does talk about abundance. It does talk about more than enough. But this is selfish riches. That is, you want this. So that you will feel secure. So that you can have what you want. You want to amass all this stuff for you. And that thinking will plunge you into ruin. That thinking will plunge your life into a tailspin down. You'll be pierced through with many sorrows, King James says. But if you are desiring to be wealthy so that the kingdom of God can be built so that God's will be done in the earth. If you're desiring to be wealthy so that you may live out John 10, 10, that you would live that abundant life 
so that your life can be a showcase and a display of the goodness of the Lord and that you have a desire also to give, to give unto the needy, to give unto the poor, to give unto those that are less fortunate. You have a desire to give into other works that the Lord is doing. And that's another matter altogether. And you're leaving a legacy for the next generation? That's wealth. So I'm not telling you, we're not talking, God's not saying get out of debt so that you can heap up stuff upon yourself so that you can build your own kingdom. That's not it. And if you long for that so that you can build your own stuff without uh, looking on the affairs of others, well, then that's very bad. Verse 10 talks about that. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So when you crave for money, when you crave to be rich, you, you, it's, it's going to end very badly. It's going to end very badly. But if you understand that money is a tool and you say, Lord, I, I receive the tool, I receive the wealth so that I might. You understand? So that I may fulfill this or so that I may do this and that for you. Then that's a matter totally different. Does that make sense? All right, let's look at another one. Let's look at Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. See, allow the Lord to shift your mind. Allow him to shift your mentality concerning wealth. And as your mentality shifts concerning wealth, wealth will flow to you. As your mindset shifts and changes, it will flow to you. All right. Proverbs 22, let's look at another, another misnomer here. Proverbs 22, verse 6 and 7, it says this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Look at verse number 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. And of course, the word servant there is a nice word for slave, right? It says the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is a slave or a servant to the lender. Now, this verse does not say don't borrow. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say don't borrow. But it tells you what will happen if you do. There are times when the Lord will allow or may even say, if God says it or allows it, then it's his bill. He will take care of it. Yes. He will take care of it. Are you hearing? But the rule should be, let's go cash. Are you hearing? Let's go cash. So again, this verse does not say don't borrow. It does not say... Uh, Again, it does not say don't borrow, but it does say that the borrower is a slave. And that and it, it also implies that as long as we borrow, we will not become wealthy. Are you hearing? It implies the, the, it implies the uh, lender is rich and the borrower is poor. It implies that the more you borrow, the more someone else will have control over your life. That's what that says. Are you hearing? 
So again, uh, if you are instructed or allowed by the Lord to get into debt, then he got it. Then he's got it. He's going to pay it. Don't worry about it. But he will do it through your good stewardship. Okay? He, you understand that when the bill comes due, it's not going to be his signature on the check that goes out. It's going to be yours, right? All right. Y'all stay with me today. Let me show you one more before we close out today. Let's go to Romans, Romans 13. Oh, y'all stay with me today. Romans 13, let the Lord shift your thinking. Let him, let, him, let him shift your thinking concerning wealth. As we're in this series, as the word of God goes forth, as the anointed word goes forth, he is empowering you to get wealth. As the anointed word goes forth, he is empowering you to get wealth. As you sit under the anointing, and as you sit under the anointing, as you hear these words ministered, as you watch the videos, he is empowering you to get wealth. You should expect wealth opportunities to happen. You should expect debts to be canceled and debts to be paid off. You should expect to have more money left over after all the bills are paid. You should expect that. You should expect that. You should also expect the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart for you to give more. Hallelujah. So you are sitting, and I, I need you to use your, your God-given imagination, and I need you to see like sparkles of light that are, descending, uh, that, is, that are descending from the roof there. They're descending from heaven, and it's, and it's sparkling all over the room. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's like fresh oil being poured out. It's, it's, it's the anointing to prosper. It's the anointing, it's the anointing to gain wealth. It's pouring out all over the room. See it. Just, just, just use your imagination because I'm telling you what's actually happening. As we declare what the Lord says, he sends the anointing. He sends the power to perform what he's saying. As we're prophesying it, it is beginning to come to pass. Hallelujah. Romans 13. I'm going to read uh, maybe five verses here. Verse 4 through 8. And it says this. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do uh, who do what is wrong. Verse five, you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Well, what does that have to do with money, Pastor? Well, let's continue to read. Verse 6. Pay your taxes. Say taxes. It says, pay your taxes too for these uh, same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. Say paid. I know it's not a very popular saying, but it is truth. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your what? Pay your taxes and government what? Fees 
to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Here's your verse, verse number eight. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love, to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. The word owe there, where it says owe nothing to anyone, the word owe there means to owe money. Uh, to, it means be in debt for, it means uh, be in debt for that which is due uh, or simply debt. That is to have an outstanding balance. That's what that talks about. So I know sometimes we've said it in the past. You know, the word says, oh, no man but to love him. So you can't go and borrow anything because the word says, oh, no man but to love him. That's actually, the word does say, oh, no man but to love them. Yes, but this verse does not say don't borrow. This verse says don't have an outstanding balance. Pay those that you owe. Don't be a deadbeat. Are you hearing? Hallelujah. I know it's coming tight. Now, taxes, fees, and wages is what it's talking about. Taxes, fees, and wages are not a part of daily dues unless they are not paid uh, at the, uh, on the due date. Uh, these are bills uh, we are obligated to, obligated to pay when due. Now, respect, honor, and love, we're obligated to pay this every day. Every day to one another. So this means in the context that when a bill comes due, God says, pay it. When a bill comes due, pay it. Have no outstanding debt. So this is a prayer point for us. If we say, well, I've got debt and and I can't afford to pay it. I don't have the money to pay it. But Lord, you told me not to have any outstanding debt. Oh, no man, but to love him. So because of that command, I ask you to empower me to pay these people so that I will not have outstanding debt, so that I will not stand, that I will not sin before you. Make sense? So it's a, it's a, we're praying in order of repentance. Lord, I need to have this paid. I have an outstanding debt, something unpaid. So this becomes part of a prayer point. This verse also uh, does not say uh, that you, that you um, uh, it, rather it does say again, uh, don't get a loan that you cannot pay. It says don't, in simplest form, don't start a loan, don't contract with something and you can't pay for it. Because that will, of course, lead to an outstanding debt. Uh, it implies, um, rather, but it, it says again, don't have an outstanding debt. Don't be a deadbeat. Uh, it says pay those you owe and never forget uh, that we have to continue to give people love, respect, and honor. Now, because God is telling you to get out of debt, and here, according to the word of God in the book of Romans, Uh, The Bible says as well that we owe no man but to love him. Don't have any outstanding debt. We can take that scripture into prayer and say, Father, you told me this. So I need you to help me. Give me the finances necessary so that I can pay those that I owe. And when the money comes your way, you listen, people say, well, look, I got extra money in this month. Well, let me challenge that. When your money has a plan, there's no such thing as extra money. 
extra money does not exist. When your money has a plan, you say, well, well, I paid off. Let's say your bills are $1,000 this month. They're $1,000 a month. And uh, you brought in, let's say you paid all your bills, $1,000, and then someone gave you an extra. You got, a, rather, you got another $1,000. All right. You say, hey, this is extra. Well, is it extra? Do you have your opportunity fund built up? No. Well, then that money goes there. Uh, do you have, um, of course, uh, that, that quote-unquote extra $1,000? You ask the Lord, Lord, what is your plan for this? The Lord may say, pay on this debt. If you're in debt, you don't have an extra anything until this debt is paid off. You understand? I paid all my bills. I got this left over. What do I do? Opportunity fund. If, if, if you've not built up your opportunity fund, that extra, quote unquote extra, is going toward paying off debt. Okay? Unless the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, put all that uh, in the offering. Put all that toward your offering, debt cancellation, because I'm going to use that as a seed to get you something greater. Okay? If you say you have extra, then that means you don't have a plan for wealth. I know it's tight. I know it. In this series, we will do five things, and then we're going to close out today. We will do five things. Number one, we will pay off debt. Two, we will discover and eliminate wasteful spending. I know it. Three, we will give generously and break cycles of poverty. Four, we will generate wealth through opportunities, receiving money. You're going to be selling some things, so forth and so on. We're going to take every opportunity the Lord gives us to gain wealth, to gain wealth. And you're going to discover how at the end of every month, you're going to have money left over. And, and number five, we're going to store up wealth for future opportunities and future generations. As we continue through this, you will find out how even in your opportunity funds, you're going to have five and six months worth of salary. Five and six months worth of salary. You discover how you are not living anymore. It is a slowly creep up on you. How you're not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. You discover how your father provides for you, provides for you. Are you hearing? So let's be in expectation of all these things happening during this series. And then, of course, after these, after these series of messages are over, as the Lord empowers us, empowers us with wealth, we become God's wealthy place. Say with me. I am God's wealthy place. I am God's wealthy place. Does that make sense? Well, we've got to shift our mentality, shift our thinking, shift it. All right? So we're going to talk all about that. So, of course, it may be uncomfortable, but that's good. That's very good. Y'all hearing me? That's very good because every area of every time it's uncomfortable, that, mean, that means we're breaking down another barrier. We're breaking down another barrier for the wealth to travel in. And if you say again, I'm out of debt, I don't have any debt. 
Well, then the pressure, the, the divine pressure that's on you now is to begin already to accumulate wealth. Yes. To accumulate wealth. And I'm telling you, there's an anointing on you to do that. Even right now, all of you in here should have at least $1,000 that you can pull from in your opportunity fund. Everyone in here should have at least $1,000 that you can pull from. Huh? Can you see the screen one more time? Bring the screen back up. Everyone in here should have at least that. Should have at least that. Hallelujah. The, 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 the very last screen. Put that back up. So we're going to close it here today. And those of you that are joining us online, want you to know that we love you. Come back next week because we're going to be doing this all next week. And you be ready. We love you. And we're praying for you. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.